Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Tuesday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Birds and Gambo Show here at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, Tim Ring, filling in for Gambo all week long here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Tim, it's good to see you again. I'd say Merry Christmas, but I think you pretty much worked all weekend, right? I, I, was, I was here on Christmas Day and Christmas night, uh, well into Monday morning. Uh, 12, 12, 10 a.m. Walked out of here on Christmas night. You're a real trooper. Always good to be talking about yet another Cardinal loss here on the local sports. So let's, okay, so you were you were filling in for John Bloom on Friday for the Grizzlies game. That had to be a lot of fun. Um, then you did pre and posts for the eleventh loss of the season for the yeah, Cardinals, right? Okay, you're so starting to make me feel bad. That had to be a lot of fun. Uh, day after Christmas, most of us got the day off, but not you. You little trooper not you yeah. you 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 went and got He's it done here. with Howard Balls are in the middle of the day on the day after Christmas and we got to recap both the cardinal overtime loss and don't forget that Suns overtime oh, loss in of Denver course. of course what is that the second straight year where both teams lost on Christmas day right yeah, thumbs up. Yeah, it's yes. The Suns lost to the Warriors on Christmas Day, and the Cardinals lost to the, the Colts. Colts. That's Boston. correct. How about yeah. the fact that both of them lost in overtime by three? Yeah, I mean it was. And by the way, all four of those losses were at home, right? Were the Suns lost to the Warriors at home last year? Yeah, but the Suns were in Denver. Well, the Suns were in Denver. The, the Suns were in Denver this year. Suns were in Denver. Yeah, That's and the I'm Cardinals saying. never play at home. Apparently, <laughs> what is it? Twelve of their last thirteen games in that building, they lost. And with no more chances to win anymore this year, yeah, it's tough. It, it's a well, man you're a trooper. Oh you're a trooper, Tim, and you'll be filling in for Gambo this week. And it's a pleasure to have you here. It's good to have you filling in for Gambo. Let's weigh in on what is clearly the top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh in, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. I'll give JJ Watt credit. He's two for two when it comes to shocking the world on social media and breaking news. When it, before it gets leaked in any way, fashion, or form, JJ uh, Watt tweeted today along with a picture of his wife and his child. Coa's first ever NFL game, my last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. And with that announcement, JJ Watt has announced his retirement from the National Football League. Two games left for the Cardinals. They're both on the road. And there was um, Darren Urban wrote about it. He covers the Cardinals for, obviously, EasyCardinals.com. And then Cameron Cox from Channel 12 today posted some video of it as well. J.J. Watt, maybe he does this every game, I don't know, but but it was it was certainly got a lot of attention that as he was walking off the field on Sunday night after the, the Christmas night game against the Bucks, he did a full Tim, like, three. 360 spin as he was walking off the field. You know, just kind of one last look. Let me soak it all in. In the moment, we thought maybe that was because it was his probably last home game as a Cardinal. He's going to be a free agent next year. He's having a good year. Nope. It was his last home game ever in an NFL uniform. Thoughts? Reaction? What do you think about all this? Well, I he's playing so well. 
and he's in the midst of one of his best seasons in a long, long time. From a football standpoint, it's surprising because when you're playing at a high level and you have the opportunity to play this game in the National Football League and do what you have loved doing your entire career, people don't tend to step away. But when you take a step back and you look at what J.J. Watt has gone through, not only this season, but lately with the injuries, I'm talking about the last couple of years, but then when you have to have your heart shocked, when you go into AFib, yep. that must scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> and I think with J.J. Watt, at this point, you look at where he is with his life and his marriage and just having the new baby, and let's be honest, he's made plenty of money in his career, sure. and you look at everything he's accomplished, he probably at that point, I can't say for sure after he had to have his heart shocked to get it started again, made the decision right then and there, but I bet you it was shortly after that. J.J. Watt said, you know what, there are other more important things than life, and looking at my health and my future and my family and this beautiful new baby, I'm going to call it a career. Yeah, And I, I, I don't know exactly when it happened, J.J. may may, may tell everybody, but I would, I would bet that that AFib situation played a prominent role yeah. in his decision, even more so than than his age. Because it's not, age is just a number, and, yeah. and looking at the way he's played this year, he looks to me like he could play a couple more years at yeah. a high level. No, and, and that's it's. I got two things off of that. I mean, number one, he was playing so well, it never occurred to me this might be his last year in the NFL. I mean, he really, like, like if anything, I thought to myself... At some point watching that game, I didn't watch it fully in its entirety live on Sunday night. Uh, I watched it you know, completely yesterday morning, yesterday afternoon. But in watching that game, one of my first thoughts was, wow, J.J. Watt has done almost the unthinkable in that he's played his way into another really good contract. Like, he'll get well paid this sure. offseason. I, I, really, I really thought, man, I, I never would have thought that J.J., after missing more than half of last year with the injury at his age, would be able to parlay this two-year deal with the Cardinals into another yeah. great deal. But but he was in a position to do that. That was thought number one. Thought number two was just you reminding me and all the listeners of the AFib situation. This has been such an utterly forgettable, god-awful year for the Cardinals. I had forgotten that J.J. Watt had the AFib situation, right? Because it's been it's been a year for this organization. From, from the minute they lost to the Rams, right up until everything that's happened in the calendar year of 2022. There's been so much stuff that I forgot. Oh, yeah. J.J. Watt. Yeah, it's on, the list. Have, it's on the list, right? It's, oh, it's clearly on the list, but yeah. it's been such... So, I mean, it's a long list. It's a long list, and, and, yeah. and some of the other things on the list are a little more, I don't want to say noteworthy, because it's, but you know what I mean? It's just like, God, it's been such a long year. Yeah, you forget things. I like, forgot. Yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot. J.J. Watt had to have it, so you, you phrase it like that. Oh, my God, Carissa gave me 47 things to get at Albertsons, and I forgot the paper <laughs> towel. <laughs> forgot that J.J. Watt had AFib and had to be shocked back into his heart. At my again. age, if I don't have it written down in front of me, chances are I'm going to forget it. Like, honey, put it on the list, all right? You want me to get the paper towels from Albertsons? You got to put it on the damn list. Otherwise, I, I'm not going to get it, all right? I just, I, I love the fact, J.J. Watt just epitomizes everything you want to be out of a football player. Not only great on the field, but great in the community, great attitude, great leader. Uh, what an inspiration he's been for the younger players on the Cardinals these last couple of years. Obviously didn't play a lot last year because of the injuries, but fought so hard to get back for a one playoff uh, appearance by the Cardinals 
which yeah. obviously was a total disaster. And you forget what J.J. Watt did to get back on the field. He was supposed to be out for the season. And here's a guy now, you, you talk about a decorated career. Next stop, Canton, first ballot Hall of Famer, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, five-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time sack leader, Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, Burnsy, five years ago. For the hurricane work, right? For raising all the money yes, from the Houston I mean, area? Yeah, yeah right? I mean, in, During... co- in college, first-team All-American. I mean, th- this guy. And again, we have a pretty good rags-to-riches story right here in our backyard. So good they made a movie about it called American Underdog, right? And Kurt Warner. J.J. Watt's not quite at that level in terms of arena football and stock and groceries, but pretty good. You know, here's a guy that goes to Central Michigan. He's playing tight end. They were going to move him to offensive tackle. And he's like, no, no, I think I think I want to stick with you know defensive line. So he goes to Wisconsin, but they don't even offer him a scholarship. And he walks on there. So he goes from a, a walks on a Big Ten school. Yeah. Ends up getting drafted in the first round back in, what, 2011, I believe? Yeah, I believe so. And the rest is history. Yeah. And right, right to a first ballot Hall of Famer. So here's a guy that came out of high school, and I don't have a list of his offers. I could probably do the homework on that off the top of my head, but... Let's just say that if you end up at Central Michigan, probably not a bunch. Probably not a bunch of D one offers yeah, coming his way. Not elite programs that were offering him, yeah, right? No, probably not. So, so there, there is a, there is a pretty good. He might not get a movie made about him, yeah, like Kurt did. But that's a pretty good rags to riches story too. No, it, it, it's it's a tremendous, and I and I like selfishly locally i like how he came here and at least i believe this to be true i maybe i believe this to be true maybe i hope this to be true sports as you well know is littered with guys who we will identify with with one team right and it's Oh, by the way, the late Franco Harris ended his career with the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, by the way, uh, Hakeem Olajuwon was on the Toronto Raptors. Oh, by the way, Patrick Ewing was on the Orlando Magic at the end of his career. I don't think JJ falls into that category. I don't. I don't think that his time with the Cardinals is one of those. Hey, you. Do you it's like a trivia question ten years from now. What team did JJ Watt end his career with? I. I don't think it's so obscure and random what he did here that it will be the answer to a trivia question the way Patrick you and the, and the Magic is? I hope not. No, it's... But it's, is, that, is that my homerism clouding my judgment? I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. No, it's somewhere in between. The way I look at it is this. Uh, unfortunately, the Cardinals had a terrible season this year. So J.J. Watt's very, very good year is lost uh, in that in that in that pile of of, of not goodness. Um, and then last year they did make the playoffs, but he didn't play. He didn't play. He didn't play. Most, he didn't play most of the season. So here's 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 just here's where I look at what you're talking about. This is not Willie Mays with the Mets, O.J. Simpson with the 49ers, uh, Johnny Unitas with the Chargers, uh, Akeem Olajuwon with the Raptors, or Ewing with the Magic, as you as you alluded to, because those guys were just hanging on, and it was sad. And they were unproductive. That's it. And it, and it That's and, exactly and, it. And they shouldn't have been there. And they shouldn't have been there. J.J. Watt still belonged and belongs in yes. this league. Could still keep now, maybe that next stop for J.J., that would have been his Patrick Ewing on the Magic moment, or his Akeem. But because he can still play, and play at a very high level when he's healthy, I don't. I, I think you're right. I don't think he falls into that trap. Is this equivalent to Emmett Smith with the Cardinals? Because, you know, Emmett had a productive 
time here just wasn't didn't move the meter nationally because you know the team wasn't it's it's and that's before my time that, so you get you'd answer that better than yeah, I yeah I mean that was he was he was better here than he gets credit for that's my point he really was he was better here than he ever gets credit for and I, and I think nationally that gets lost because they were not very good when he was here it's not quite Joe Montana to the Chiefs no and it's not I was but it's, say, a, it's a little shy of that but it's closer to that if, I think if the Cardinals if J.J. Watt had the season he had this year and the Cardinals were in the playoffs and maybe he had the ability to make some noise in the playoffs or did make noise, yeah. Watt's time here could have been viewed like Montana on the Chiefs or perhaps Jerry Rice on the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, they, they had a second act and it was okay. They went there and they got the job done and they produced and they didn't fall all over themselves yeah. and embarrass themselves. I think it would probably be looked at it that. The problem is, Bernsey, because the Cardinals have not done anything this year, I think in 10 years, J.J. Watt will be forever known as a Houston Probably, Texan. probably. Nationally, and people won't consider this era even worth talking about nationally. The Phoenix Suns lose on Christmas night, but much more important than that, the bigger loss than the game itself, and it's being felt today. We'll talk about it next on the Burns and Gambo Show with Tim Ring filling in. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Offensive board, tips it over to Bridges. Six seconds left. He threw it away. Bruce Brown got the steal. He'll dribble it into the forecourt. Down to two seconds. Brown gets away from Samet, and that will end it here in Denver. Nuggets win. Final score in overtime, 128-125. Yeah, the double dose of bad news on Christmas night for our local teams. Earlier in the night, the Cardinals had lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime by three, and then the Suns did the same thing. Later in the night to the Denver Nuggets on the road, losing 128 to 125. That is now their ninth loss in their last 13 games. Devin Booker was able to start the game despite his groin injury. He lasted about four and a half minutes. But now beyond of beyond of any individual outcome of any singular game, the biggest news, and we don't we want to be careful about reading too much into it, though it's very difficult not to read at least something into it. Was this tweet from Dwayne Rankin earlier today? He's the beat writer who covers the Phoenix Suns, and he's really the only one who travels with the team. So oftentimes when they're on the road, he is a great source of information because he's with the team every day. He tweeted out today from Memphis, Devin Booker has returned to Phoenix for further evaluation for his groin strain suffered in the Suns' loss at the Nuggets on Christmas. Tim, I don't like the sound of that at all. Well, no, it's not good. It's not good at all. And without starting to put speculation on when he'll be back, what it does tell me, he's not going to play tomorrow night against Washington. Uh, I'm now listening. In the era of charter jets, Devin Booker can be anywhere for a game in a matter of hours. We we, we know that. So you don't want to say Devin Booker's now going to be out for the road trip. But, uh, Dave, I mean, have you personally tweaked muscles or pulled groins or hamstrings? I I have. I'm sure people listening out there have. A lot of times when you... Mm -hmm. 
re-aggravated? Don't kid yourself, Tim. I'm not that active. No, I never have. <laughs> maybe maybe running to the fridge <laughs> to get a Coors Light. That's brave. <laughs> you know, I, I cut open my, my the, the, the skin in between my index finger and my thumb every now and then from twisting open the beer caps, you know, when I need a bottle opener. But beyond that, no, I've never really pulled a muscle because I'm just not that active. The sprinting to Spinatos before it closed. <laughs> yes, I, they I, close at 11. Go, hurry, Dave! Hurry. Oh, my hammy! Ouch, my groin! I was trying to pick up my extra cheese, double me from Spinatos, and I hurt myself. When you re... The re-aggravation often can be more painful and more time-consuming in terms of the wait now till you're back ready to go than the original injury. That's what concerns me, because having been through that and then seeing professional and collegiate athletes do this, that's generally kind of what happens. And now they got Booker back, and I assume they got him back to not only have MRIs done, but to get that training staff working on him every day, not being on the road, yeah. in hotels, in on restaurants, planes, on right. planes. Right. So they've got... They've got six more games on this road trip, Bernsey. Uh, not only tonight in Memphis, but at the Wizards on, on Wednesday, Toronto Friday, New York Monday, and then Cleveland on Wednesday, January 4th. They're not home again until Friday, January 6th against Miami. So the six games remain. It, it, it's it's going to be tough now to get Booker back anytime soon. Maybe he rejoins them in a couple of games, maybe Friday in Toronto. But, I mean, if I just had a guess, and, again, you, you, you hate to speculate because he, he could be back at any, sure. at any point. But, I mean, I, I think the way to look at it is Suns fans – Maybe you might want to get used to not having Devin Booker on the court for the next several games. Yeah, I mean it's it, we we don't know, and and you do bring up a good point. I, I remember last year Devin Booker, I think when he was dealing with his hamstring injury, um, made it a point to fly back, rejoin the team for their last game of a road trip. I believe it was against the Miami Heat because he he just they they had kind of hit in a rough patch without him, and even though there was just one game left on the trip, he flew all the way to Miami to be with them for that game, to play in that game. And if I remember right, they won and he played very well. It was just, it mattered to him that much. So he could get anywhere at a moment's notice if he wanted to. I think the biggest thing that concerns me is exactly what you were alluding to a second ago, is is that they don't, they want him back where they can get a good, long, close look at him, right? Because they've got trainers, they've got medical staff on the road. It's not like they're, you know, it's not like they have to call out for a doctor to come check him out when they're at a hotel. They've got their training staff with them. But but the equipment that they really want to scan them with, that they want to take a look at, the the, the doctors are better. There's just there's a more intricate web of technology and doctors and medical experience available to them here at home than there is on the road. And it's just the suggestion that he might need that, that he might require that at this stage. And this is not something that the trainer who's with the team right now can handle. That is the part that scares me a little bit, you know, because it's, it's that suggests it's more involved than maybe your garden variety groin strain here. And I, how long is it going to be? I don't I know this. I'm looking at their schedule. My gosh, it's brutal. It's well, brutal. That's the other thing. Now, the the bigger picture now facing this team. I, I mean, 
Listen, Memphis whipped them up pretty good on Friday night here in Phoenix. Now, they got to play those guys tonight. They've got Desmond Bain back. They obviously, they, they tower over the Suns. Suns have all kinds of matchup problems with the Grizzlies because DeAndre Ayton can't guard both Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. And those guys killed them on the offensive glass last Friday night. That's going to be a tough game to win tonight. I mean, I'll, let me just come right out and say it. I'd be shocked if the Suns won tonight mm-hmm. without Devin Booker on the road at Memphis. Then they got to go to Washington, team that also just beat the Suns here in Phoenix. Yeah, but that's still a winnable game, even without Booker. Toronto, New York, Cleveland. I mean, that's the road trip right now, Dave. And I, I got to tell you, you, you got to find a way to get a couple because you've lost eight out of eleven. And if you don't find a way to get a couple out of these next five on the road, I mean, worst case scenario, you lose all five. I mean, you're talking about a stretch now where you've lost thirteen of sixteen. Yeah, and that, and, and although it's early. And they're going to get their reinforcements back soon enough and get this thing back on track. You never want to go through a 16-game stretch with a 3-13 and record. No. No, because in the ultra-competitive West, you know, how much behind the eight ball are you putting yourself? You know, how much positioning are you losing? Are you are you in danger of dropping? I know we got 50 games left in the season. Are you in danger of dropping into the play-in game because of these games, the play-in tournament because of this? I don't think anybody thinks that a healthy Phoenix Suns team wouldn't yeah. be able to get out of that, but you don't want to get too close to that if you end up falling there, you know? It, and that's because it's not just this road trip. You come back, then it's Miami, Cleveland, then you go on another road trip where it's Golden State, Denver, Minnesota, and Memphis again. I mean, that's basically from now until January 16th, you've got to play the Grizzlies twice. You've played Denver twice. You've got Cleveland twice. That's a horrible stretch to go through without Devin Booker. And who knows when Cam Johnson is going to come. It's just all starting to pile up right now for this team. It's almost like you have to reassess goals uh, about this basketball team right now and say, we got to come out of this stretch playing 500 basketball. Like that That's the way we have to look at it until Devin Booker gets healthy, until Cam Johnson gets back, until the organization can figure out the Jay Crowder piece, right? Like Crowder's not going to come back, but we, but we're, we're still we're missing Jay Crowder right now. We're either missing Jay Crowder or we're missing the person we're supposed to be getting for him. So they are shorthanded, no matter how you look at that. And right now, it's a, it's a problem. They are not constructed as a roster to withstand the personnel losses they are enduring, especially as Chris Paul continues to play himself back into shape. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line when it comes to the Suns. You can text us at 620-620 right now on the FanDuel text line. If the Cardinals do decide to move in the direction of Sean Payton, and we don't know if they will, we're just asking a hypothetical here, they not only have competition to get him, but it would also likely be giving up power to get him. We'll explain next. Burns and Gambo, Tim Ring filling in. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show, Tim Ring filling in for Gambo, and it is time to roll out our Twitter poll question questions of the day. Eric Ruby's back here with us. Merry Christmas, Eric. Merry Christmas. Haven't seen you in a week. Hope you're doing well. Miss you, you Burnsy. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's, it's, it's not the same when Gambo goes straight and then just starts quitting right after the straight up. Does, he, gives does, up. does he quit on the straight up 2 o'clock? He, 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 give, he gives it his all, but it's just not the same. It just, it doesn't, well, it's, it's, like, yeah, he does it too this, fast. Uh, he's like, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> You know who does a great straight up two o'clock? Tim Ring. Tim Ring and Mitch Veraldez. Really? Yeah. Mitch Mitch did one where I thought it was you. Like I, I heard it, I'm like, that sounds like Bernsey. It was I'm, Mitch. I'm impressed. 
I'm impressed. Well, it's 2.30. You're not going to hear it now. No, because it's not straight up 2 o'clock. Mitch goes to karaoke night, and he does it on the mic. <laughs> People are like, get this <laughs> guy off the stage. Straight up 2 o'clock <laughs> on this Labor Day afternoon. Good afternoon, <laughs> and I am what? not Dave Burns. That's actually not Bad. That's why I pulled it. I'm like, I need this because not bad. Not okay, bad. the Jay Farrow of uh, Arizona sports. <laughs> not. I bad. like that. Right, well, our poll good. question isn't about who does straight up two o'clock better, but it is about the Phoenix Suns. Now they're not healthy. We all know it, and they haven't made a big trade. We all know that too. But if they were fully healthy and they didn't make a trade, they're a top what team in the West? If they were fully healthy, but they didn't make a big move. But the raw that includes Jay Crowder. Then if they move him for like a bench play, like a big move, something that changes the franchise, a Kuzma of sorts, somebody that really changes it, so the core stays the same. But they're, they're healthy. They're a top one, a top two to three, a top four to six, or a seven seed or lower in the Western Conference. If they're fully healthy. I think there are three or four, so I got to choose one. I think they're either the three seed or the four seed. Um, I'll say four seed. So whatever option that was. Fully healthy, and Chris Paul's back to play in a high level. I will say they are a three seed. See, that's why I didn't answer a three seed because I don't think Chris is getting back there. I think I think that's a blasphemy. I'm sorry, I just think that's a destination he's not getting to. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's gonna get there. So four. Coming up for four. I'm not giving up. On, I'm not giving up on you, Chris. <laughs> You're my boy, Chris. <laughs> that's my quarterback. That's my quarterback. That's my point guard, man. That's, that's my, my point, point guard. guard. All right. <laughs> four through six is currently leading the way. Fifty-five point six percent say the Suns would be a four through six team in the Western Conference if they didn't make any moves but were healthy. Thirty-seven point two percent say they would be a two or a three seed. Four point nine percent say seven or. Worse, one is two point three percent. So it's all in the middle there. It's all in the middle. Here's here's why I said three real quick, guys. Who's who's who are the two teams that are that are who are the three teams that are better than them if they're fully healthy? Cam is playing well. Chris is playing well. Da's Landell. They got everybody going. I think you got three options. I got. I, I won't say the Nuggets. I think I, the the Suns are still a better team than the Nuggets. I I will go to the mat on that. I think it's Nuggets, Pelicans, and Grizzlies. Those are the three that I think would be I'll in give, that contention. I'll, I will give you the Grizzlies and the Pelicans right now. Although, I mean, really, I mean, are we going to go to the mat and say the Pelicans are a better basketball team than the, than the the Suns if they're fully healthy and at full strength? I mean, maybe, maybe. I, I but the Suns almost the Suns almost beat the Nuggets on Christmas night without Devin Booker and Cam. Johnson. I know, and it, it was honestly I didn't want to say this because it sounds like moral victory type radio, which I don't like to do. And Campaign. But it was, it was very impressive. I, I mean, it was very impressive they were able to hang with the fully healthy Denver Nuggets, the mostly healthy Denver Nuggets, so with, why, why what would, they didn't have. Why would we say the Nuggets are better than a fully healthy Suns okay, roster? That's, so I, that's, that's, what, that's, that's why I slot them at three. That's fair. Um, now, you could actually make the case, what about those Dallas Mavericks? 
Good. When you talk about the Suns, or or if you talk about a fully healthy LA Clippers team, I, I get it. I, I get it. Okay, that's that's good. That's good stuff. All right. And well, the second question is one. It's an open-ended, an open-ended one. On one. How do you, you can, remember JJ Watt? Well, we can go through some of the best answers at four thirty. Give you some time to think about your answers, but okay. you can find it at Burns and Gambo. One word. All right. Uh, those are the poll questions. Again, you can find them one word on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Uh, Tim Ring is filling in for Gambo today, and will be the rest of the week. Um, as far as what's next for the Arizona Cardinals, obviously um, we're kind of in that holiday season. Uh, we'll talk more about this a little later on in the show. We won't dive too deep, but there was a huge ESPN story on Friday that was released about the state of the Cardinals. Cliff, Michael Bidwell, Steve Kime, Kyler Murray, you know, kind of peeling back the layers of the dysfunction, what's working, what's not, things like that. And looming over everything is Sean Payton. Uh, you've even jokingly referred to it as the Sean Payton plan, I think, the last the time Payton we were. Plan, the Payton yeah. plan, right? Who the GM would be, who the head coach would be. Well, in that regard, there was a little bit of movement over the weekend when it comes to Sean Payton. Again, this is all hypothetical. We don't know what's going to happen with Cliff Kingsbury. We don't know what's going to happen with the Cardinals organization. But if Sean Payton is indeed on the radar somehow, some way, two things happened this weekend. Number one, Nathaniel Hackett got fired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. They didn't even wait till the end of the season. They couldn't wait till the end of the season. They're like, you know what? We just gave up a 50-burger to the Rams on Christmas Day. Get out of here. We're done. We're, we're just enough. But then the other thing that happened was the L.A. Chargers won last night on Monday Night Football. And by doing so, they clinched a playoff berth. Now, if you believe, as I do, that Brandon Staley will return as coach of the Chargers because he got them in the playoffs, then I feel like you can take them off of the Sean Payton list. And I do think that's a big team yeah. to take off the Sean Payton list. God, can you, though? What if the Chargers get embarrassed in their first playoff game? Like the, like the Cardinals did last year to yeah. the Rams? Right. Like, like something just humiliating what, like what, what, that? What if they get humiliated and Sean Payton, through back channel, says, if you make a move, I'm there? And these things happen. Yes. These things happen. I thought about that. I mean, so, so and, and you're right. That's, so, that's I mean, like that's like the one caveat to this is on the surface you would go, okay, it's not the Chargers that are going to make the playoffs. Brandon Staley is safe. You're right. Could it's, happen. It could happen. Chargers it could happen. Chargers could also win a playoff game, and Justin Herbert could throw for 400 yards. I mean, so I'm just saying that I don't know if the playoff clinching win last night now rubber stamps Brandon Staley to. 2023. I, I, you see, I just think I, I, they more more needs to happen before I can say that with 100. percent Okay, okay so so if we're gonna since we're since we're coming off same same, by the way, same thing with Mike McCarthy. Cowboys are going to the playoffs. If the Cowboys crap the bed, I'd love to use a different word, but I can't. In the playoffs again, mm-hmm. is he guaranteed? No. 2023, and that they're a playoff team, so. A lot of this can depend on the cosmetics of said playoff appearance when it comes to Sean Payton. Because these ownership groups and owners, in the case of Jerry Jones, they know that Sean Payton's available. Yeah. And they know that Sean Payton might have an interest in coaching the Chargers. Potentially. Right? Or the Cowboys. Well, and that's why Josina Anderson tweeted out, Yesterday, Um, obviously, Sean Payton is a top dog is a quote, by the way, quote, obviously, Sean Payton is a top dog. My understanding right now is Payton has a high affinity for 
the Chargers and the Cowboys. With the Cardinals being a consideration, too, if jobs become available. When Denver calls, I expect him to listen, though he historically prefers a strong link to the general manager. That was the other thing I was going to bring up with Denver. Their GM, George Payton, is kind of running the search for the next head coach, which I wonder, does that basically, in effect, take them out of Sean Payton? Because Sean Payton, you're hiring him, uh, you're, whether it's whether it's Jeff Ireland or somebody else, he's bringing a general manager with him. I and, mean, I, that to me is almost a guarantee And he wants point. control. And if Sean Payton wants Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator, does that... Listen, if he, if he wants to go to the Broncos, you just tell Vic Fangio, look, Vic, I don't think you're welcome back in that town, so we're going to have to find somebody else. But, <laughs> right. but is, you know, could that impact? Would Sean Payton, if Sean Payton wants complete control and George Payton is in complete control of the roster in Denver, that wouldn't be a fit. Benjamin Albright, who covers the Broncos in the NFL about as good as you'll find out there, was just on Twitter the other day talking about he doesn't think Payton, and he's pretty well sourced up. Benjamin Albright, he doesn't think Peyton would be a fit in Denver. Uh, what he did say, Albright did, was that if the L.A. jobs do not open up, he thinks Sean Peyton would be a fit in Arizona. Arizona. He said that? He did. And, and it's funny that you mentioned the L.A. jobs. Jobs. I am quietly, I guess not so quietly since I'm saying it on a radio show, worried that Sean McVay is going to retire. Well, here's the deal with McVay. Now, the 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 lure, the lure of the animal, the lure of the broadcast booth was very real last year for McVay. Like that was a, he was strongly sure. considering that move. I mean, it was reported, but I, I have my I, I'm fortunate in this was what case. You've got I, sauces. I got my own sauces. You got your sauces. Yeah, I got sauces in this particular story. Uh, that that was a real deal, and we don't have to talk about it too long. But the reason being is. Listen, you're going to pay me twice as much because now, thanks to Tony Romo, these analyst jobs, the, the salaries shot through the roof. I mean, they're like 20 million bucks a year, right? right. So wait, you're going to pay me twice as much as I'm making. I got to work five months a year for 75 percent less stress. Three days, <laughs> three days a week it becomes math at that point. Right. right. I, I mean, can raise a, math. I can raise my family. I can live in Manhattan Beach. You know, go surfing yeah. <laughs> three days a week, Yep, right? Whatever I mean, you want to do. So that's what he was thinking. Here's the problem, though, Bernsey, from a TV standpoint. All those number one analyst jobs that were all open and fluctuating last year full. are now full. full. Now, it doesn't mean a network can't pay McVeigh 20 million bucks to be a number two analyst. But are you really going to pay that much money to a that's, guy to be a number two when you're already paying $25 million for somebody to be your one? That's the thing. Or does, would Fox bump Greg Olson out of that chair because Tom Brady's still playing and McVay gets that number one? But, but I'm, just, I'm just saying, there's the, the openings this offseason yeah. for that number one role, because remember last year you had Sunday night, or no, you had, yeah, yeah, well, you had Thursday, Thursday night. night. You had Thursday guess, night. You had Thursday night and you had Monday night. I guess technically Amazon could give Herbie the boot well, on how long, Thursday. Well, what if he signed a three-year deal? Yeah. I mean, that. so I don't know. Um but that it's just something to think about with yeah. McVay. The options might not be there for Romo's him. That was locked in at CBS. Right. Aikman's locked in at ESPN. Brady eventually will be with uh, Fox. Right. NBC still has Collinsworth, unless they were going to make a move there. Right. Yeah. There's also one more thing: the ego. A lot easier to walk away when you're the champ 
than it is when you're when you're at the bottom when you're or, five and eleven. Like you run that's the how, bottom. Yeah, that's how you're you're five and twelve. Whatever they're going to finish. Yeah, right. Diamondbacks made a big trade a couple of days ago. One that on the surface looks like everybody wins. So did everybody win? That's next on the Burns and Gamble Show. Tim Ring filling in. And Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We felt like we had to take some opportunities. We are going to have to take some opportunities to continue to add talent to the organization, maybe in some ways that, you know, aren't just waiting for guys to continue to play and get better and sign guys in free agency. And I, I just don't know that that's going to be our only avenue um, to success. As Mike Hazen, general manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, as we welcome you back on the Burns and Gambo show. Tim Ring's in for Gambo. He'll be in a week for Gambo. And admittedly, I mean, with everything going on locally, and, and I'm not saying this to like minimize what happened with the Diamondbacks, but admittedly, you know, there's a lot going on. Devin Booker was sent home by the Phoenix Suns to have his groin injury examined. They're in the middle of a six-game road trip. They lost on Christmas night. They got humiliated by Memphis before they left. They're playing Memphis again tonight. And then, of course, everything going on with the Cardinals. J.J. Watt announced today via social media this is his last season. Cardinals right now are trending for a top-five pick. They're at number four right now in the draft. I mean, there's there's some like real big-ticket kind of stuff on our plate. But I, I thought we needed to spend a few minutes talking about this Diamondbacks trade for a couple of reasons. Number one, it happened on December 23rd. And so it might have gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit of the holidays and Christmas and everything like that. And number two, mostly because I think this was kind of the big chip for the Diamondbacks to play this offseason and they played it, right? This was this was their, they're not going to go out and get Sander Bogarts, they're not going to go out and, and sign some dude to a $150 million contract. Their best option of improving their roster was taking their surplus of left-handed hitting outfielders and trading one of them somewhere. They did that on December 23rd, and so I think we need to spend a couple minutes talking about it, Tim, because it feels like this was their this was their big move. This was their play for the 2022 offseason. And I know a lot of fans initially were like, but why did you trade that guy? Yeah. But that's the thing, though, Bernsey. Sometimes you got to trade one of the better guys. Sometimes you got to give up something to get something, right? Yes. And clearly they had to break up that surplus. And we knew that going in. Gambo's talked about it ad nauseum since about August of last year. When it was evident all these guys could play and they brought up Carroll. It was like, okay, you know, one of these guys. And, and Alec Thomas seemed to be the odd man out. But again, though, other teams know that too. And if you want something good, you got to give us something good back. Yeah. And... As good as Corbin Carroll is in terms of how he's rated as a prospect, Burnsy, the guy they got, is rated even higher. Yeah, if you missed it. I mean, the, think about that. Think about that. He's, yeah, he's, I mean, as much as and we're all goo-goo-gaga over Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno, the, the Moreno, pardon me, the catcher they got back from Toronto, is even a higher-rated prospect. And he's not one of these prospects who's... Two years away, three years away. He got 73 plate appearances last year in the bigs. He's, he's close enough that you can, I don't think you can write him in ink into your opening day lineup, but I certainly think you can write him in pencil in your opening day lineup, right? Like you can, 
you can expect that he is going to be much like Corbin Carroll next year, a part of your everyday lineup. I don't know that for sure because he's young and he just got his first taste of big league action. But I got to imagine, I mean, this is, you know, depending on whichever ranking service you use. And for my purposes, I've got, thanks to Nick Pecoro of AZ Central, I've got Baseball America in front of me. He's the third best prospect in the majors. Yeah. Not, third, not third best catching prospect, third best prospect. Not the third best prospect in the Blue Jays organization. In the major leagues, okay? Defensively, elite catcher, every skill you would ever want. Bat-to-ball skills are fantastic. Maybe lacking a little in the power department, but nobody seems to be overly concerned with that. At this, He's only 22 years old. He's, he's, 22, years, he's 22 years of age. And Dalton Varsho is a guy... You know, and Gonzo, Gonzo talked about this while, while Varsha was here, just the incredible leadership and a guy that you build your, your franchise around or your clubhouse around. And yeah, all that is true. But you go back to a guy who's established like that and, you know, was a finalist for a gold glove and did hit 27 homers. But again, I go back to the fact that if you want something good in return, sometimes you have to give up something. Yeah. You can't say, well, we have a surplus of outfielders who all hit left handed. We're going to give you the, you know, the guy that we think is the, is the third best guy and you give us, you know, you're literally your best prospect in your system. No. We we want the best of your of your surplus outfielders. Yeah, uh, your surplus of outfielders. Yeah, and as Varsho and and, and, and Varsho was popular with. The, I mean, as popular as you can be on a on a Diamondbacks team that, let's be honest, was was you know starting to stick with fans around here, but wasn't quite there yet. He was one of the more you know noteworthy players to watch every single. He played with a real passion and a real energy that everybody likes. And so, yeah, fans are going to miss him. And Mike Hazen even talked about how you know I had to. Make Make some calls to some people in the organization just to kind of assure them because Varsha was a popular guy in the clubhouse. I, I think this says a couple of things. Number one, this, as we noted during show prep, obviously it completely closes the book on the Paul Goldschmidt trade. And oh, what a disaster that was. Well, that's that's the first thing that struck me. And I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, it, 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 I hated that trade from the get go. Yeah. And I hate it more with every passing day because now 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 Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly uh, Kelly's day. I don't care what Mike Hazen says in a press conference. Uh, the Moreno's here to be the catcher. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent, full stop, full yeah, one hundred percent. And is Carson Kelly going to stick around to be a backup? I, 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 they're moving on. Yep, they're moving on. Yep, they gave it four years. They tried it. They thought Carson Kelly could be the guy, and he so, wasn't. So they had to go find another. So you. And I remember talking to Tori about this when they made the Goldsmith trade about how, you know, these players were scouted and they were evaluated and they were chosen for Goldsmith in that deal for a reason. And they believed that they could be the cornerstone and the nucleus of a Diamondbacks playoff team for the next 10 years. They missed on every single one of them. Every single one of them. Not one freaking guy (laughs) could play. No. Like you couldn't get you couldn't get one right. Yeah, and that leads into my second point about this trade. Okay, they kept Alec Thomas. They kept that. Okay, Corbin Carroll wasn't going anywhere, right? He he was he was a fixture. Jake McCarthy, we were hearing, wasn't getting too many bites out on the open market. So it was really a Dalton Varsho or Alec Thomas kind of thing. The Diamondbacks chose to keep Alec Thomas, fair or not. I think we're going to end up kind of comparing Dalton Varsho to Alec Thomas for the next four or five years to see, did the Diamondbacks trade the right one? But did the Diamondbacks keep the right one? 
I, I think that comparison is now but inevitable. You, right, but but Burns, if you couldn't have gotten Marino for Alec Thomas, then they didn't make a decision. Well, I you see what I'm saying? No, I, I, under, I uh, like if they had offered Alec Thomas, would they have gotten Moreno? Probably not. But they, my point is, they were bound to trade one of those two guys. All right, regardless of what the return was. We all knew that either Dalton Varsho or Alec Thomas was going to be on somebody else's roster starting next year. Did they choose the right one? Okay, but that, that's what I mean. But, by it. but, but, and I know we got to hit a break. What if in four years, yeah, Varsho is a better player than Alec Thomas and a, a fairly, but, but substantially, a, substantial, substantial enough where you go, he's the better player. But, but Moreno, but Moreno's is an all star, an all star catcher every single year, perpetual all star catcher. Then, then it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter as yep. much. That's it. Yep. Yep. When we come back, it was a long-fought battle between two benign offenses. Big Red reacts. Our look back at the Bucks game is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.